from the rapidly aging studios of Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA, it is time for another old fogey episode of Chemical Free Horticultural Hijinks You Bet Your Garden. I'm your septuagenarian host, Mike McGrath. That's right, cats and kittens. Today, we are taping a brand new episode on my actual birthday of January 26th, which occurred in a year when pinball machines used metal wheels and you could really buy candy for a penny. Besides my ramblings about how cool it was to be a free-range child in the 50s, we'll continue to help you become better seed starters and take your fabulous phone call questions, comments, tips, tricks, suggestions, and adroitly anodized admonitions. So keep your eyes and or ears, cats and kittens, because it's coming up faster than you saying, he's how old? Right after this. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Espoma Company, offering a complete selection of natural organic plant foods and potting soils. More information about Espoma and the Espoma Natural Gardening Community can be found at ESPOMA.com. Welcome to a brand new episode of You Bet Your Garden, which really is being taped on my actual birthday of January 26th. All right, so what we're going to do is we're going to tell you take two, uh, part two, of our seed starting extravaganza series. And, you know, in between, we're gonna take a couple of your fabulous phone calls. And I hope my hat doesn't fall off. 888-492-9444. Brian, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Hi, Mike, how are you? I am just ducky, thank you for asking, Brian. Ducky is always appreciative of that phrase. How are you, sir? I am good. I'm good. And where kind of baffled? Yeah. Well, we're all baffled, Brian. That's that doesn't get you <laughs> on the show. Um, where are you? Uh, I'm in Emmaus, Pennsylvania. Oh, I used to work there. Emaus. Yep. Where that E-mouse. rodeo press used to be. What pa- What part of Emmaus are you in? Um, we live right next door to where the old Rodell silk factory used to be. Oh, I worked there for many years. Yeah. What can we do you for? Well, we got this yellow annual hibiscus back in 2019 Mm -hmm. from our dog walker when we helped our dog (laughs) on his way. Right. So it had special meaning to us. And it was bright yellow the first year. And having special meaning, I decided to drag it inside see if I could get another year out of it, and I did. Mm-hmm. So I dragged it inside that year, and then I did it again last year, and this year got down into the 30s in early November. I just want to stop you for one second and remind everybody out there in the future, cowards win. Don't wait until it says it's going to be freezing outside. Once nighttime temps dip below 50 degrees, Bring all these sensitive tropical plants inside and don't rush taking them outside in the spring. I'm a June to September guy, and I have a horde of pepper plants that are many years old. Proceed, sorry. Oh, no worries. Um, So 
it was going to drop down into the 30s in early November here. So I pulled it inside. And then the following week, it went back up into the 60s. So I took it outside because it still had a few blooms left on it. (laughs) If you would simply put it, left it indoors and put it in a place with indirect light, it could have bloomed for a long time. All right, back to you. You got two strikes. Okay, and so, so, so I dragged it back outside, and I noticed the the blooms were orange. Mm-hmm. And of course, when they they did open up in the sixty degree weather, and they were a beautiful deep orange color mm-hmm. when they had been yellow all summer. Mm-hmm. And then when it got cold again, I dragged it back inside into the indirect sunlight that you were talking about. Mm-hmm. And um, it still blooms now and then. I think the latest flower we had on there was the first week of December. Okay. What color? Still orange? Still orange. Okay. And uh, for my third strike, um, <laughs> I took it out outside. I, <laughs> I took it outside again the last couple of days because it's been in the 50s here. Oh, good Hoping Lord. to get a few more blooms. Did, but the nighttime temps have been around freezing. Oh, and I bring it inside at night, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, you got time on your hands, man. Um, (laughs) Early on, when I was still learning how to overwinter my peppers, um, I was overwhelmed by aphids, and one plant seemed to be a complete loss. And this was January, but we had one of those crazy January days where it kissed 70 degrees. So I took the plant outside, meaning to spray it off, you know, real sharp sprays of water uh, to knock down some of the aphids. Mm -hmm. Um, But then I was distracted by a bright and shiny object and forgot about it till like three o'clock. And then I realized, oh, damn, I missed my chance. And I go outside and I see the plant is covered in little black insects. So (laughs) I checked the temperature. It was still fine. I let it go till like five o'clock and I brought it back in and there was not a single aphid on it. And the small black insects were probably thrilled to find that much food in the winter. Mm. So yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're gonna be that consistent, you're doing fine. Um, now, you're wondering why the color changes. Yes. Okay, there's a simple answer and a very complicated answer. Um, The simple answer is that hibiscus almost don't have a primary color. They have a range of colors um, that is affected by temperature, by light, very much by the pH of the soil they're in, Mm. and other factors. It is totally normal for, especially an annual hibiscus and not the hardy ones, to change colors depending on their environment. Um, I researched this when we saw your email because I didn't know what was going on. So I'm going to, I'm going to give you a quote from gardeningknowhow.com. Three, group, okay. three groups of pigments create the vibrant color displays of hibiscus flowers. Anthrocyanins produce blue, purple, red, and pink. Carotenoids create colors on the warm side of the spectrum, yellows, oranges, and reds. Um, Flavonoids are responsible for pale yellow 
or white. So within different ranges of temperature, sunlight, pH, and nutrition, all of these pigments can appear. But when they do, they're telling you something. Um, the article goes on to explain exactly what kind of conditions cause one of these. These are all phytonutrients, by the way. These are all superpowered um, foods. You know, when, when they say eat foods in a range of colors, mm -hmm. fresh fruits and vegetables, that's exactly why. Mm -hmm. Because these are all nutrition powerhouses, but they also occur in ornamental plants. So if you want to go to um, gardening know-how or just search why does hibiscus change color, you'll learn how to perhaps artificially manipulate the pigments so you can get a full range of colors. I'll tell you right now, pH has a lot to do with it, the pH of your soil. But it is not unusual. It is expected. And how about that? I didn't know it. I didn't know that. I didn't know. So it. I could actually play with the, I could actually play with the pH and try and push it, like all red or uh, all yellow. Absolutely, you're not limited to that. Temperature, amount of light, what kind of food it gets. Um, we all know that hydrangeas can be, you know, red or blue, and if you want to get it perfect, they can be pink. Um, but my understanding from this, and I've never had a hibiscus. I don't like fussy plants. Um, is that you can duplicate all the colors of the rainbow being a, um, a citizen scientist here. I'll let you know what I work out. <laughs> okay, send us pictures. I will, I will. Thank uh, you, Michael. My pleasure. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. Mm, bye. Two little bugs, little bugs, little bugs, little bugs, little bugs, little bugs. Two little bugs, little bugs, little bugs, little bugs, little bugs, little bugs. Two little bugs, little bugs, little bugs, little bugs, little bugs, little bugs. Stephen, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Yes, how, the, how are you doing today, sir? I am just ducky. Thank you for asking, Steve. How are you, sir? Um, okay, really good today. Oh, okay, to me is like mid-level, but um, <laughs> if that's good for you, it's, it's good for you. <laughs> uh, where are you, man? Um, in right outside of uh, Quakertown, a little town called Richland Township. Oh, I know Richland Township. I know Quaker yeah, Town. Uh, okay, great. If, you, if you know where Greta's is, I'm not far from Greta's restaurant. Um, no, I don't know that. Um, okay. But yeah. I do just know. A heads up, that's all. I do know that you Go have a, a great flea market there. Yes, we do. That's Yes, we do. Very nice. And the trolley mark, barn, yes, right? Uh huh. That is open. No, it's called a Q Mart. 
the no, no, no. Don't you have another thing called the trolley barn that they made out of an old trolley station? They do. They do. But unfortunately, I have not visited yet. Now, you got to get over there. All right. <laughs> In the meantime, what can we do you for? Well, I have a peach tree out my backyard. That It's a beautiful tree, but it grows peaches the size of a quarter, and I don't know why. Your peaches only get to be the size of a quarter. Oh, you're an easy phone call. Okay. So, first of all, why do you only have one peach tree? Well, I'm going to give you my little background story about that peach tree. I bought it at Lowe's, and when I bought it, I bought one, and the lady says to me that operates that area, you need to buy another one to make peaches. Mm -hmm. And I said, that's not what I would like to have. I would like to have a tree that I can plant at one tree that'll make peaches. And she says, I'm going to switch that and get you the right tree. And she did, and I have, I've had it ever since. Okay. Um, you're both right. Um, planting two trees, especially of different varieties, will give you bigger fruits, more fruits, and better fruits. Um, right. But, but it is possible to harvest peaches from a single tree if you treat them properly. And I'm guessing that you are not thinning your peaches early in the season. Thinning? What do you mean? Ah, there we go. Bingo. Ding, 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 ding. McGrath got another one. Um, <clears throat> after uh, the flowers fade and the little peaches appear, you need to go out. Right. You need to go out with a five-gallon bucket and remove at least half of those peaches. Maybe, Ooh, okay, but... maybe more because they're not going to achieve any kind of size. Peaches are notorious right. for producing more fruit than the tree can handle. So right. in some cases, enough fall off um, to kind of equalize things. But it is much better and saves the tree a lot of nutrition loss is if you start pulling them off when they're the size of marbles. And the more, okay. the more you take off, the bigger the ones left behind will get, and they will be much, okay. more, much more flavorful. Got it. Got it. I will try that this year. The same is true of apples, by the way. Apple trees need to be thinned in the spring. Right, right, right. Well, that's, that's the only problem I've had with that. And I've had the tree for 14 years, and it's doing the exact same thing to me. And I was told that, and I did go out and pull a few of those off, but maybe perhaps I never pulled enough of them off. And then also I was told to spray the whole tree with, with a soap, ivory soap, to keep the <laughs> yeah. bugs off of it. Oh, God. Why are other people allowed to talk about gardening when they don't know anything? Oh, God. <laughs> Did it one time a long time ago, but never done it again because I said, I can see the bugs. And the other problem, a little problem I've had with the tree is the ants like to crawl up the trunk. Right. Is the trunk split open? It, in one area it is, yes, yeah. sir. That's what's attracting the ants. Um, find a way to cover that area. Um, maybe paint. Okay. Maybe paint the broken area over with uh, white latex paint. That's what... I did that already. Yes, sir. Do it again. I'm, I'm, I did that this year. Yes. Do it again. Okay. I will do that in the spring. Yes, sir. Yep. And at least half the peaches. 
This is not for the timid. Uh, the bolder okay. you are in removal, the more fabulous peaches you'll get. Does it help to trim some of the branches off? Oh, yeah, yeah. You have to, uh, you have to do basic pruning in the spring as well. Okay, okay. You can find out more about that on our website. I got you, sir. I got you. Been a great help. All right. That's what we like to hear. You take care, sir, and good luck this season. Thank you very much, and your show is fantastic. I know that. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. All right. You take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, it's time for me to take a little break and announce that my first Zoom appearance for the season will be a presentation for the affiliated affiliates of the Chester County something or other about lawn care on February 24th at 7 p.m. But don't go looking for all the details at the events section of our website just yet because we'll be right back with lots of tips on successful seed starting and more of your fabulous phone calls. I'm Mike McGrath, and you're listening to a brand new birthday episode of You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Espoma Company, offering a complete selection of natural organic plant foods and potting soils. More information about Espoma and the Espoma Natural Gardening Community can be found at ESPOMA.com. Welcome back to another thrilling episode of You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. Uh, yes, I am turning 70 on the day of this taping, and I feel really silly and just uh, couldn't be happier with the crew here who really decked the halls for me. Thank you guys very much. Uh, guys, of course, being inclusive. Anyway, uh, coming up, we're going to do more about seed starting. If you follow these instructions, you will succeed. If you don't, well, you just buy new plants, okay? Now, your fabulous phone calls at 888-492-9444. Andrew, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Thank you very much. Well, thank you, Andrew. Um, how are you doing, sir? I'm, I'm, I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. Okay. And, and, and yourself? I am just ducky. Thanks for asking. <laughs> Actually, I'm freezing to death. We're looking at snow. It's cold. It's miserable. Um, what's it like where you are? Um, how about blue skies and 70 degrees? You, you know, there's all those movies about trading places, you know, the... 
the <laughs> prince and the pauper, um, you know, and of course I would be the pauper because I'm on public radio. Uh, you know, you want you want to just switch and see what it's like to shovel um, eighty pounds of wet snow on every blade. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I've 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 got the the odd visit to Philly, but that's about it. I I uh, I'll I'll stick with my Hawaii. That's uh, that's good enough for me. Oh my God, you're in Hawaii. Yeah, um, little little town called Honoka on the the northeast tip of the Big Island. Big Island. Okay, that was going to be my next question. Well, and, well and, it's actually Hawaii, Hawaii, but they call it Big Island so nobody gets confused. Right, yeah, that's how we all lust for it <laughs> in our letters <laughs> to Santa. Please, please, get me out of here. It's dark all the time. Um, okay, so uh, now you, you said you visit Philly. Are you from here? No, no, I, uh, I I got some good friends there. Um, I went to see the Cubs play um, a couple of games against the Phillies. So that was the reason for the trip to Philly. Are you a Cubs fan? I am, yes. Oh, I'm so it was my, my very first game in I'm... Chicago at, at Wrigley Field. Ah, oh, the Palace. The best. Something like that. The the, the, there's, there's nowhere else like it. No, there really isn't. I had uh, a great time. At Wrigley Field, and I would go into great detail, but they would start yelling at me. So, when yeah. <laughs> did you move? When did you move to the island? Um, I've, I've been here eighteen years. Okay, I'm, I moved uh, directly from England to here. Okay, what part of England? Um, originally London, um, but before I left England, I lived on the on the east coast in a little seaside town called Skegness in Lincolnshire. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I'm more familiar with the West Coast. I'm a, a real fan of Wales and traveled extensively in there. Yeah, yeah, I, I've, I've, I've been around Wales. The, the Welsh don't like the English, so we, we try to avoid it most of the time. Oh, they were kind to an American, at least. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll do that, but not if, not if you're English. <laughs> <laughs> well, they could tell right away that I was American. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the usual sort of, Plaid T-shirts and, and and everything with a dragon on it because it's Welsh. Yes, over overdoing it. Yes. Well, I don't know. I, I, <laughs> some of the nicest people I ever met while traveling were in Wales. But again, if I go into too much detail, they're going to bang the door down. Even though I got it locked. So, Andrew, <laughs> what can we possibly do for you in the lush tropical paradise? I recently moved from. Um, one side of the island to the other, mm -hmm. and I've taken on a, a two-acre small holding, mm -hmm. um, which I'm in the process of raised bed, terracing, and, and growing stuff. Right. Um, and I've been binge listening to you for the last three months. Um, <laughs> I've, I've done every podcast that you've ever done oh in the last God. three months. So I, I can answer all the questions before, <laughs> especially if there's a repeat show. I know all the answers. <laughs> So, but my one, the question that I, I, that keeps coming up to me that I can't get a real answer to is how much is an inch of water? Ah! You're always saying about the fact that people, the biggest thing that causes death of plant is people overwatering. Right. So, and I have, so I, I purchased a rain gauge as I was starting to do all this. Excellent. Um, I hung it on the Thursday. 
by Saturday morning, it had two and a half inches of water in it. Okay. Um, We had a hell of a storm, and it was my fault because I bought a rain gate. Yes, yes. So I just want to apologize to everybody for that. Um, And so now I've got two and a half inches of water in a rain gauge. I only need an inch a week. Mm -hmm. Um, Do I not water for a couple of weeks? Do I? And then if I got half an inch of rain, I'm obviously only going to put half an inch of water in. So Um, is your soil sandy? No. Your soil is not sandy. Is it? No, it isn't. Well, I'm 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 up in the. Uh, uh, it used to be the, the district I live in used to be sugarcane. It's all plantation ah. land. Okay. So, do you have any left standing, compact. or did that they cut it all down? It's all gone. There's, all there is left now is is elephant grass oh. or prairie grass, whatever you want to call it. The eight foot tall stuff yeah. that gets everywhere. Yeah. When so, I was in Cuba, I loved chewing on fresh sugarcane. It was amazing. Yeah, not yeah. the best from yeah. My no, teeth. that's that's all gone. That 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 left a long while ago. Okay, uh, so good. So we're talking about a normal amount of water, and nothing that has to be adjusted because of your soil type. So yes, very yeah, very important. I learned this very late in life. Have a little notebook handy. Write down the date. Write down the amount that your rain gauge caught, and then empty the rain gauge. So. This was a really good soaking. Now, you know, what season are you in? Um, is it... <laughs> we, don't, we don't have a season. I, I can plant anytime, anything. So there's no, I just, when I, whenever I decide that it's, I'm going to plant something, I just put it in the ground. There's no, I don't have to worry about anything like that. Coward. Um, Coward you are. And as, and as to the, um, the like, empty, I empty the grain gauge every Sunday morning. Okay, good, good. It's, that's my that's my kind of thing. So I know at what point I'm at and all that kind of stuff. So to answer the, the like the first part of your question. And you said today's temperature was around seventy degrees. Yeah, yeah, it's all like mid mid seventies by the will be a high and a low low to mid sixties will be the low. Oh, put a sweater on. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like a ten degree drop is a ten degree drop. It doesn't oh, yeah. matter whether it's night. It, 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 you still suffer from it. So, but uh, well, well it's, it's a different kind of suffering, though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I hear your suffering. <clears throat> uh, jealousy is ugly, but I can't stop it from rising within me. So, when we talk about an inch of water a week, uh. A lot of times we're talking about lawns, but we're also talking about vegetable gardens and flowers and shrubs and things like that. Because if you water too frequently, uh, your plants develop short roots. You need them to go through a water-free period and dry out completely at the roots uh, before they get another bounce of water. And it sounds like your soils are consistent with what I'm used to dealing with. So if um, if you have your rain gauge and you got two and a half inches, I obviously you know not to water right away, um, but two and a half, I, I would say you're probably good for two weeks unless you get a heat wave. 
And obviously, yeah, you should always be looking at your plants and examining them. Yeah. Uh, the walk, the daily walkthrough, is the core of organic gardening. I, I, yeah, I, I do. I do that twice a day. Excellent. First thing when I get up, and first thing when I get back. So, um, yeah. What I at, at the moment it's just pole beans. So, but we're I'm, I'm about to sort of start setting other things. So. Mm-hmm. Good. 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 Um. So. After two weeks from um, that drenching you got, if things are dry, and the best way to determine if things are dry is get something like a wooden dowel or actually like the kind of wooden stake a vampire would veer away from and just hammer it into a little piece of soil somewhere and see if it's wet at the tip. If it's wet at the tip, you don't water because, again, it okay. is crucial to let those plant roots dry out in between waterings. Uh, plants. Yeah, you, I, you, you're, yes. Go ahead. You're talking about like root rot and stuff like that, which I've, I've heard you talk about. Absolutely. Um, and it, your climate is at least humid, right? Uh, yeah, a little. Not not terribly humid, but but uh, but consistent. It's it's always like it never varies much. Fog in the um, morning. It just um, no no we don't. I'm 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 on the right spot for not getting any of that. Okay, good. Um, because fog waters plants. If you have enough fog, you don't ever have to water. Um, plants can absorb. Yeah, that's, that's the next town over to me. Yeah. Yeah, Waimea, which is in the, it, it's about 3,000 feet, and they have fog every morning. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the, the giant redwood forests in, um, in California, you know, nobody watered them, and it doesn't rain. Yeah. They get all their moisture from fog. Can you imagine something growing that tall, as tall as a, a medium-sized building, and um, they get all their moisture from fog. Nature, yeah, they, they, and they, they trap it, don't they? Yeah, so nature is very powerful. Yeah. So I think you're right. It is more important not to water than to yeah. water. So if you go a week without rain, then yes, you should apply an inch of rain to your garden, and it's easy to decide how. Um, what, what are you going to use? Uh, do you have a sprinkler? Do you um, have... I was going to uh, put soaker hoses in because you're always talking about keeping the leaves dry and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it would, I'm because because I'm I'm building from scratch, so right. I I can put in what is best for what I want. And I it appears to be that a soaker hose is a good way to go. So I was going to add soaker hoses to my to my runs okay um, don't have the hoses it, too close to the stems of the plants because okay that was one of the other questions yes <laughs> uh, you, you want to water the soil and let the okay. plants pick it up because a lot of times when people have these watering systems that water at the root um it washes any nutrients away very quickly and they think they're doing a good thing, but the ground becomes barren. So yeah, you're going to have to first, you know, when you get your soaker hoses, check the website of the manufacturer. They may actually give you run times that will tell you how much yeah. water you're applying. 
My old trick is yeah. to get a bunch of cat food cans or something like that and put them out, run your soaker hose for a couple of hours in the morning and see what you get. You know, have some cans underneath the hoses and see how long it takes to fill that up to an inch. Okay. Yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't thought about doing it that way. Uh, I, the, one of the, the I, I did do what you just suggested about looking up the manufacturer, and they said about 200, 200 minutes would run an inch of water through a 5.8 soaker hose. That sounds exactly right. People misunderstand yeah, so, and, and, uh, how long it takes to really saturate the soil. But you do that, and yeah. you won't have to water again, you know, for a week. And if you get an inch of yeah. uh, half an inch of rain during that week, then back off and change your watering day by that much. So, so when um, you say like a, a like an inch a week, that that arbitrary figure. But um, like the inch of water. So if I only need half an inch because I had half an inch of rain, um, is it like any like I'm gonna. One of the things I thought about was Sunday mornings was going to be my watering day. You can't do that. Is is that? You can't try no, to second okay. guess nature. Um, I so like it, the it, I like the idea that Sunday morning is your rain gauge reading day, but okay. don't try to second guess. And if you get half an inch of rain, um, don't water again until it would be time to replace that. You know, don't put another half an inch on right away. Let the plants dry out. They love to be dry. And um, okay. then if you say it's it's 200 minutes for an inch, then, you know, you do 100 minutes um, next time around, about halfway through the week. Okay. Yeah, so that, that was – it's not like any particular time. Like like you say, you're trying to guess when, when it's going to rain. So it's apply the water as needed once – you've sort of got to a spot where it doesn't look like it's going to rain again. Right. Um, and you're still half an inch short. Yeah, well, half an inch short is much better than an inch too much. You know, plants can recover yeah. from being dry. They can't recover from being dead. <laughs> yeah. All right, yeah, man. I, I, could uh, talk, I could talk to you forever. It sounds like you're doing all the right things. I'm jealous as heck okay. of where you live, and as soon as it's yep. safe to get on a plane again, I'm going to come and uh, put a pup tent in your front yard. There's, there's, there's always space. There's <laughs> always space. All but, right. Uh, yeah, uh, just like thank you very much for, for the, all the information from your show because it's been invaluable to me as a, as a learning curve. Well, so, thank uh, you. Um, I, it's, uh, we really do hear from people all over the world, and it, it's just delightful. So thank you very much for listening. No, no problem. And just uh, keep keep up the podcast so i got something to listen to on, on the drives. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah, so, I'm not going anywhere. So good. Um, pleasure to speak with you, sir. You too, sir. Aloha. Uh, aloha to you. Well, it's time for me to take a little break and announce that the Rutgers Home Gardeners School will be virtual this year, with yours truly delivering the keynote address and hosting a workshop titled Bending is for Chumps. It all happens on Saturday, February 26th. But don't go looking for all the details at the events section of our website just yet. 
because we'll be right back with more on successful seed starting and more of your CD phone calls. I'm Mike McGrath, and you're listening to a brand new birthday episode of You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Espoma Company, offering a complete selection of natural organic plant foods and potting soils. More information about Espoma and the Espoma Natural Gardening Community can be found at ESPOMA.com. Welcome back to another thrilling birthday episode of You Bet Your Garden. From the studios of Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA, I am your rapidly aging host, Mike McGrath. Coming up a little later in the show, we're in the stretch, cats and kittens. We are going to delve into the secrets of successful seed starting. You'll love it. And it's coming up right after a couple more of your fabulous phone calls at 888-492-9444. Alan, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Hello, Mike. Where is Alan? Uh, Easton, PA, Northampton County, right near the Delaware River. Okay. What can we do you for, sir? A couple of questions. Uh, I have uh, two rose bushes. One is over 42 years old, as long as I've lived in this house. I had to do nothing with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, my second one, the one I really need some information about, I have a new one. I left it on the deck for about a month or so in the pot. I only spent $7 for it, but it's a nice rose. First of all, I was instructed to plant it in a protected area. I put it in the ground by my shed, but I don't really want it there permanently. I kind of put it there to protect it from the winter. Mm-hmm. So first of all, I want to keep it from freezing. Why? And do you I can't. need to cover it? You can't. No. Why are you okay. worried about it's freezing? Good. Roses are some of the hardiest plants that we can okay. grow. Now, if you go north until you're treading through snow in July to a place like Minnesota or Wisconsin or some other place uh, where they have two months of, of gardening and nine months, ten months of sledding. So that is an area where roses do need to be protected. And I am not an expert on that. I know the bare minimum. But once you get back to a non-Arctic climate, roses are fine. When did you put it in the ground? Um, What month are we in now? I think I put it in the ground in early November. Perfect. It's fine. Don't worry Um, about it. Don't do anything to it. Don't stare at it. Don't prune it. Don't feed it. Now, okay, now I, I don't really want it where I put it. I understand. I put it next to my shed, so it was good. So when I replant it. You have uh, two so choices. That's my, maybe my real question. You have, I have clay soil. Well, you know, we all got something. We all got problems. Okay. Is your existing ancient rose in clay soil? Um, yeah, I assume it is. Alan, don't look for trouble. Trouble knows how to find okay. you. You don't need to leave a trail of yeah. breadcrumbs. All right. So No bread here. You're too... Yeah, your two choices 
are about two or three weeks after it starts greening up in the spring. You can mm-hmm. gently remove it from its current position, put the roots in a bucket of lukewarm water, and then prepare your new site. You will dig a wide hole, not a deep one. You will not put anything into the hole because you want the roots of your rose to grow out into the miserable soil outside of the hole. Then you will plant it at least as high as it was in its pot. Higher is better. And then you will mulch it, so to speak, with two inches of high-quality compost. Don't touch the stem um, or trunk of the rose, but go out with the compost a good foot in all directions because that's since going... Since it's a new plant, I'm sorry, since it's a new plant, will I need to fertilize it at all? Compost is the world's finest fertilizer. Okay. All right. So I'll get a good compost from my uh, good garden center, all right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Do not use any chemical products. Please don't buy three-in-one rose spray or anything like that. I have found roses to be one of the hardiest plants in my environment. I used to get them sent to me. I used to get dozens at one point to test. Um, And I just put them in the ground wherever I had room and told them, it's your choice. Live or die. I'm out of it. So Well, again, my other one is is over 42 years old, and I've never done anything with it. I don't think this is going to last 42 years. I know I won't. Okay, um, I just wanted to uh, yeah, enjoy I, it as long as I could. I think you take your lesson from the older rose. Alan, I think your roses are going to be just fine, and I hope there's someone around to care for them long into the future. Okay? As, as my legacy. Yeah, Thank absolutely. You, my pleasure. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye, bye Hey, kids. What time is it? It's time for the question of the week. Yay! Which we're calling the right way to start seeds because there are a lot of wrong ways. As you will recall from our last thrilling episode, Robin seemed to be doomed piloting a truck that goes down a deep, deep embankment with bat, oh, no, that's the serial I'm watching on Saturday morning. In our last thrilling episode, we tried to pound home the importance of using a professional bagged potting soil slash seed starting mix that contains no chemical fertilizers. Yes, Miracle Gag products are the first thing you'll see in almost any garden center because they control the supply chain and pay for the best display. But any good independent garden center will also have the natural and or organic mixes that are chemical free. Most mixes in the US will be peat based, which is fine by me as I am convinced the Canadian peat bogs are harvested sustainably. However, Some mixes in the United States substitute core, C-O-I-R, which is shredded coconut fiber for the peat. And that's fine, especially if you're careful not to overwater 
as core doesn't seem to have as much natural antibiotic activity as peat, which can help reduce the chance of damping off disease, a depressing condition caused by overwatering that results in your tiny little starts withering at the soil line and joining the choir invisible. If this happens, do not mourn. Instead, embrace and learn from the valuable feedback you have just been given and buy your plants already started by professionals of which you are clearly not one yet. And remember, as in baseball, there's always next year. Bless there's a strike. Let's get started starting. As we said last week, start your seeds approximately 60 days before when historical weather records reveal when you can expect your nights to be in the 50s and above. This has nothing to do with your, quote, last average frost date. All that misleading number means is that you'll have a 50-50 chance of not experiencing actual freezing temperatures after that date, which is less than helpful as peppers, tomatoes, and such are tropical plants that suffer greatly if planted when nighttime temps drop below 50 degrees Fahrenheit. This is important. Pay no attention to daytime temps. They're a trap. Unless climate change goes even more bizarro world, nighttime temps are the key. Defy me on this, and misery will become your horticultural roommate. Containers. There is no really good substitute for the plastic four- and six-plant containers that garden centers use. They have the right depth and drainage and can be reused for many years before they start to fall apart, and then you can recycle them. If you have no such leftovers, ask your experienced gardening friends for some of theirs. I have hundreds. Warning, warning. If you use kindergarten seed starting containers like eggshell cartons and old yogurt containers... Don't blame me for the results. Fill your containers with your seed starting mix. You will note that they feel impossibly light. Good. That's what you want. Place the containers in a sink containing an inch or two of water and allow those containers to become moistened via their drainage holes. Don't water them from on top. They will have a tendency to float while still dry, so place a brick or something over top each one or add water gradually until they stop acting like Aquaman's bumper cars. When you remove them from the sink, they should be totally saturated and feel much heavier. Now, place them on a metal tray that has a small lip that will hold excess water. I think normal people use these things to make cookies. Carefully place two seeds of the crop you want to grow in each cell. Not one and not 20, unless the seed packet says they were packed for 1998. Cover the freshly planted seeds with about an inch or less of your mix and mist the surface gently. If you don't have a small, dedicated hand mister, get one now. 
mister. Now we need bottom heat. Professional seed-starting heating mats will do the job perfectly and amortize nicely over the years. They'll keep the roots of your starts between 70 and 75 degrees Fahrenheit for speedy germination. Now is also the time to stretch saran wrap over your starts to keep them moist. If you're using a kit that includes a hard plastic cover, install that now. No light is required yet, but you need to have some idea of how you're going to provide bright light in a week or so. If your answer is a, quote, sunny windowsill, you should now give up, watch more TV, and plan to buy professionally started plants. Where? At your friendly neighborhood garden center. Over the next week, you want to see water droplets beaded up on the plastic every day. If you don't see that evidence, remove the plastic, mist the surface of the soil, and replace the plastic. Don't go nuts with the water. Evenly moist but not sopping wet is your goal. After a week, give or take, you should see sprouts. When you see the very first sprouts appear, remove any coverings. Naked to the wind, should your babies be. Within a few days, the rest of the sprouts are going to be up. But note, pepper seeds take longer than tomatoes, so maybe do them separately. When everything is up that's likely to come up, remove the bottom heat. Now go back in time and label all the individual cells with the variety they contain. Yes, I should probably have said this earlier, but, you know, there's a lot of good streaming stuff on the air, and hopefully you'll read all of this before you get started. Well, that sure was an intensive look at seed starting now, wasn't it? Luckily for you, the question of the week appears in print at the Gardens Alive website. To read it over in detail at your leisure or your leisure, just click the link for the question of the week at our website, which is still and will forever be youbetyourgarden.org. Gardens Alive supports the You Bet Your Garden question of the week, and you will always find the latest question of the week at the Gardens Alive website. Yikes, my producer is threatening to open the window next to my baby seed starts if I don't get out of this studio. We, we must be out of time. But you can call us anytime at 888-492-9444 or send us your emails. You're tired, you're poor, you're wretched refuse teeming towards our garden shore at ybyg at wlvt.org. Please, please include your location. You'll find all of this contact information at our website, youbetyourgarden.org, where you'll also find the answers to all your garden questions, audio of this show, video of this show, and our podcast. A special note to podcast listeners, we are dressed up in silly birthday outfits today, so if you haven't yet watched the half-hour version that is a TV show.
and streaming and whatever. You Bet Your Garden is a half-hour public television show, an hour-long public radio show and podcast, all produced and delivered to you weekly, actually strongly, by Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. Our radio show is distributed by PRX, the public radio exchange. You Bet Your Garden was created by Mike McGrath. Mike McGrath was created when a failed nuclear experiment freed him and his pal Godzilla from a polar ice cap. Ken Queter plays our theme song. Our chief content officer is Yoni Greenbaum. Our angel of the airways is Christine Dempsey. And our engineers, cheerful Charlie Sarah. Our social media director is Amanda Norfleet. Check out her fine work and stay current with what's happening with the show every day at the You Bet Your Garden Facebook page. Teresa Radke is our profound producer of Priceless Production and is now the most popular person at the dollar store where she bought all this stuff. The lovely Jonas Bowen is our audio editor. Judicious Jake Boyer does the video. Our director of direction, the harassed and harried Javier Diaz. He's, he's still ready to take a couple more months off. Zach the Takwisneski is in the house, as is our R, Jacob Morris, Carlin Canfield, and the rest of the usual gang of idiots who are not idiots, but are wonderful, talented people. Uh, that does not include yours truly. Our beloved CEO, Tim Fallon, never fails to remind me that he is much younger. But Tim, enough with trying to help me cross the street, you little whippersnapper. I'm your rapidly aging host, Mike McGrath, and I'll see you again. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Mike. Happy birthday to you. And The best thing about having a birthday in January is you can buy all the old New Year's party favors at 50% off. This is 91.3 FM, WLVR Bethlehem, WLVR.org. Have you been following our thrilling series on successful seed starting? I'm Mike McGrath, and on the next You Bet Your Garden, we'll continue your education with the most important part of all, other than finding the actual seeds, of course, plus your fabulous and seedy phone calls. That's on the next You Bet Your Garden. Thank you.